0: Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Regan Kelly, and I am joined by two awesome co-hosts this week. Nate Eininger. And Shane Kelly. And uh, this week we are talking about Manifold Garden. Uh, Before we get into it, I will say uh, sorry if I sound weird. I'm getting over a cold. And also, this is my first time back on the show after two weeks away, and I'm so happy to be on Skype with you guys again. Welcome back, Regan hooray welcome back uh, Nate I really liked listening to the episode that you and Laura recorded I, I had a great time listening to that it's it's uh, it's always yeah, fun really for cool. me to, to, to listen to an episode that I'm not on which happens once in a blue moon and when I do it's it's uh, it's really fun so thank you for uh, for doing that yeah and it's always fun to not have you on an episode so it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was mutually uh, uh, beneficial so, oh well uh, I, all right bro, then. I, mean, I <laughs> obviously, you commit the uh, the most amount of time and effort to the show out of all of us, so we are obviously happy to uh, to put together an episode when you're not here, so uh, yeah, it was, it it was uh, a fun game. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, it sounded really fun. I haven't actually gotten a chance to play the game yet, um, because I was doing a lot of first driving and then unpacking, and all of my game-playing and recording devices were all in boxes, and and then... Uh, we uh, started a new daycare and my child immediately got sick and then I immediately got sick. So you're hearing classic the after effects of that, that dry Texas air. Yeah. Uh, I, quite the opposite. It is so humid here. My God. yeah. <laughs> Moving from Denver. It's like, I, I, I drank like five to eight glasses of water a day in Denver, just because if I didn't, I would, you know, shrivel up and die. And here I keep forgetting. And so, because I like it's, it's like it's all around me, man. It's like I'm swimming all the time. It's so different. Anyway, <laughs> that, that's enough for the humidity talk. Let's talk more humidity on our next episode. We'll update you. Uh, this week, we're talking about Manifold Garden uh, by the developer William Cheer. I, I think that's how to pronounce his last name. Apologies, William, yeah. if I'm mispronouncing. C-H-Y-R. Um, and I have been looking forward to this game for literally basically as as long as it's been in development. And it's been in development a very long time. This has been a de- in development for seven years. It came out, I guess, last month at this point. So we're not quite at launch here. We're, we're after that a little bit. But this is a game that's been sort of shown off at a bunch of different shows and sort of arty game exhibits and exhibitions and everything um, in various different states of doneness over the course of uh, you know, a really long time. Seven years is a really long time. And it's mostly the work of this solo developer, William Cheer. Um, I played the game back in 2015. And I can say that it's, it, it's in a very, very different state today. And wow, like you see every, you know, every year of that in this game, it's, it's really come a long way from, uh, from its sort of origin point back in 2013. Yeah, I found some info on the development timeline for this. And um, there was a... Uh, Cheer said in 2018 uh, that the development of the game had at that point been going for five years. And at, in the same interview, he said uh, that he might have to leave game development after it's released due to the uh, the fact that art games are not super financially stable or sustainable. Um, and he said... Uh, that the game would have to sell at least forty thousand units in order to not be a total financial disaster. Wild. So I really wild. hope uh, that it does sell well. Um, and I, I I wonder if the deal with Apple Arcade, uh, which is what enabled me to play the game, I hope that has done well for him. We have we have often discussed on this podcast like what are the financial um, dealings of of Apple Arcade? How does that play out for our uh, for our developers? So. Um, kind of curious about that. Yeah, I, I think he's made a couple of choices here that are are both like safe and probably smart. Um, and I certainly hope that they're they're sm- they're uh, they're successful for him. And that is that you know the game uh, released as a launch game for Apple Arcade and also released on Windows as an Epic Game Store exclusive. And uh, so both of those are things that are maybe potentially uh, you know putting off. Uh, a small portion of the audience, you know, you have to be an Apple Arcade subscriber in order to play the game on Apple platforms. You have to be willing to use the Epic Game Store and Launcher on Windows. Um, it is coming to PlayStation 4 and also to um, to Steam l- next year. Um, don't know exactly when the exclusivity ends, but it's going to be in 2020. Um, but I, I think this game is absolutely worth uh, playing, if you ev- even if you don't have Apple Arcade uh, and just have access to this game through that, I would absolutely recommend downloading it on Epic Game Store or, or maybe even just subscribe to Apple Arcade. Uh, we can talk about the, the different versions. I played the, uh, the Windows EGS version of the game. I think both of you guys played the Apple Arcade version, right? What did you play it on? Uh, yeah, I played it on my iMac uh, straight from Apple Arcade. It was actually what, It got me to upgrade to Catalina so that I could get Apple Arcade on my computer. And I played it on my iPad Pro, and that was actually pretty awesome. Um, I I spent a good chunk of the day today down at my local games cafe, Coral Sword, uh, with my uh, iPad and my PS4 controller. And I got to say, it's really nice to be able to... This is the, the first game I have played on my iPad with a games controller. And that's a pairing that I actually am really finding. I think I like, um, it, the, the, the pairing setup for that was very easy. Um, and then just the experience of like plopping the iPad down, um, my case for the iPad has a little kickstand. So I just kick it out there and I don't know how, uh, uh, how nerdy that is. I don't see a lot of other people uh with a like a, a dual shock four uh <laughs> curtain it around with a with an iPad, but um just being able to toss those two things into my bag and and bike down to the cafe and uh jam some jam some games was really cool. Yeah, you're also at a gaming cafe. So if there's any place where that's going to oh, be yeah. Oh yeah, Mo- no, draw no. more interest than um maybe scorn yeah lots of people were uh, curious about what i was playing i also uh i did download this first on my iphone and uh yeah i bet uh and reagan said i recommend you use a controller and i was like yeah yeah sure i can i like games on my phone i can play this on my phone i downloaded it was like Oh, yeah, okay. I need to use a controller for this. I played it for like four minutes on my phone before I went installed Catalina on my computer and just played it straight up on my computer, also using a DualShock 4. And I mostly played it, I, sorry, I played it all on the uh, Epic Game Store Windows version. I also have uh, Apple Arcade, so I tried that version a little bit. Um, but as a point of comparison, uh, we're going to talk a lot about how this game looks. And it's, a, it's an astonishing looking game. Um, and I started with the EGS version on windows and then later tried the Apple arcade version and was a little bit disappointed in the performance. So I'm playing on a 27 inch 2019 iMac, not a beefy gaming PC by any stretch, but decent. Um, and, uh, on the same computer on windows, uh, I was able to run it at a higher resolution, a higher frame rate. It looked really nice. I think that version is clearly the most optimized trying the same, same machine playing the uh, Apple Arcade Mac version on the same computer, um, I had to turn a lot of the settings down in order to get a frame rate that wasn't juddery. And um, some of the uh, visual effects were a little less impressive. So if that's something that matters to you, and if you have the option, I think that that Windows version is probably the definitive version for now. I'm excited to see this. On platforms like the PS4, because I think it's a really beautiful game. And I, I yeah. think it's going to probably run well on a PS4, probably uh, at least as well as it would on uh, on a high-end Mac. Um, so I would definitely recommend Windows or one of those platforms if you have the option. But the Apple Arcade version is totally serviceable, even if you play it on a phone. Uh, if you aren't allergic to playing first-person games on your phone, I kind of am, um, then you know, give that a try, play this however you can. Cause I think it's a great game. Yeah. I will say I did find it perfectly playable, um, without a controller. And I, so I started the game on my iPhone and then switched over to my iPad, which again is a nice Apple arcade feature being able to just sort of jump from device to device. But, uh, the, um, yeah, I played a fair bit of it on an airplane, uh, during my month of travels and, uh, you know, I, I definitely am a little slower, uh, but this is not a game that is like an FPS where it's going to require a lot of like quick timing from you. So if you're if you're at least comfortable uh, navigating 3D space with virtual joysticks on a, a touchscreen, I definitely think it's totally playable on a phone. That's good to hear. And it actually looks pretty good. It looks pretty pretty good on an iOS device, at least to my eye. Hmm. Well, um, so we talked a whole lot about how we played this game, but almost zero about yes. what it is, which is a little bit backwards. So listeners, apologies for that. But it felt like the right time to talk about it for whatever reason. Let's talk about what this game is. Um, Yeah. So this is a first-person puzzle game. I think the easiest comparison is something like Portal, but this is a very different sort of design and tone from something like that. So um, it's easy to say like, okay, it's a first person puzzle game. Oh, you mean like Portal? In a sense, yes, because it is playing with physics in an interesting way. Um, But the central idea of this game is that you are playing in a, you know, you're playing a first person puzzle game in a 3D space where physics is different Than in our world and you have control of the physics, I think that's the portal comparison is that you are actually manipulating how things work, right? So you're, you're, you're flinging yourself all over the world using, using your, you're, you're deciding how to manipulate the physics in this game. It's gravity, Mm -hmm. uh, but i that i think there's a lot of comparisons to, uh, to the the feel of portal even though the tone and what you're doing is absolutely different right yeah i i don't know if i would even characterize it as like manipulating gravity because in a lot of games where where they say we're manipulating gravity um like that that comes with this idea of like oh well we've got a gravity gun uh, we've got like fly- flight powers or something. Yeah, or sure. like the or like the flinging tele telepathy from control or something. Yeah, it's not that. Yeah, what this really is 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 it's it's just that every surface basically has its own its own gravity in this world of physics. So you can you can walk up a wall uh, like Spider Man, and, and that wall becomes your floor. Uh, but furthermore, if you do that, like if you've walked onto a onto a wall and then you you walk off of it. That, that gravity continues to pull you in whatever direction you're going. So your, your personal gravity. and then also the gravity of lots of these other objects like uh, like blocks, there's a lot of block puzzles um, are, are oriented to the different walls. And one of the things that's, that ties that kind of to the visual style of the game is that each of the, um, each of the directions um, is associated with a different color. So you know, if you're standing on a particular floor, that floor will light up in 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 pink or blue, um, and so will the objects that are going to fall in the direction of the blue floor, and uh, so so it it, it has this uh, kind of unifying uh, visual style that goes along with this bizarre physics, um, and I think I'm sure we'll talk a lot about the visual style of this game, but uh, I, I feel like it's it. Uh, It's kind of connected in a way that helps to keep things clear. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like you control what is the floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's almost like thinking like you have a pair of like suction cup boots, you know, and the only and you walk up to a wall and you say, okay, that wall is now the floor. And your entire perspective switches to where you've now stepped onto this wall, but everything adjust where that's now the ground yes. and the floor that you just walked on is now the wall behind you um like a yeah. really simple way to think about it and they do this really early is you're going down a tunnel you get to the end of the tunnel and the only way is the the only part of the tunnel that's open is directly above you so you walk up to the edge hit the button on PS4 it was or on DualShock it was R2 and now the wall that you were facing in front of you is now the floor. So the whole thing is shifted down. And what was once a tunnel going straight up is now just you walking forward. Right. When you look behind you, the, tom- the thing you just came from is now the part that's directly up because the whole thing shifted like 90 degrees. To talk about how this plays into the puzzles. Um... I want to kind of talk you through one of the most basic early puzzles in the game, which is related to these blocks. Like I said, there's a lot of these blocks that correspond in color to the floors. They also have a down arrow on each of the blocks that's going to point, you know, in the direction that the block will fall if it's falling. Um, And a lot of what we're doing is putting blocks on color-coded switches. So we might have a purple block that needs to go onto a purple switch to light up a purple uh, light that opens a door. And, um, the problem is that that purple block, uh, falls in a direction away from the switch, like the switch is up high on a wall. So you, you walk up on that wall. Now you can grab a different block and put it on the floor, um, under the switch plate so that when you switch back and grab the, uh, purple block, uh, the blue block that you placed there is now a shelf. Uh, that can hold the purple block up because the the blue block has fallen to the blue yeah, wall. The, these kinds of descriptions can be very difficult to visualize in podcast form, but the the essential point here being that you're you're using a variety of different objects that each kind of have their own gravity, um, and you're having to kind of manage interactions between them, which starts very simple yeah. and builds. To... You start to have to think about: is this thing does this thing have blue gravity or purple gravity? Right. Yeah, which is I, I loved the way that they they use the colors to uh to kind of like remind you of which direction is which. It's it, it's very yeah, it would very be smart. Be impossible. It would be the absolutely are such impossible a key. without it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's another thing that I think is it, it has to be mentioned here about the um, interaction in this game, and it is in in true uh, classic video game style. Uh, you know, much like. Uh, the world of something like a Pac-Man, the world wraps infinitely in every direction. And so many of the puzzles have to do with the fact that you can step off of a platform and then fall infinitely through space past an infinite number of repeating uh, manifold instances of that platform. Um, So... Uh in, in addition to, to being like a really interesting and cool puzzle element, the ability to just sort of wrap the world infinitely and fall infinitely through an infinite number of of iterations of, of, of any particular place. This also is a key piece of the incredible visuals of this game, which are full of these, um, infinite iterated vistas. Of just you know beautiful geometric forms, which is really really amazing. yeah. This this is really the, the most important thing about this game because you know we we we've just we we started by setting up the puzzle mechanic and basically it sounds like block puzzles right, and we're not talking about you know, nothing about that sounds revolutionary or really even surprising. It would have been uh, you know, block puzzles even with maybe some gravity mechanics would have been, uh, you know, good, but maybe unsurprising even back in 2013 when this game likely would, you know, like it seems to have begun development. So not a surprise there, but the r- sort of recursive geometry of the spaces of this game is yeah. is the thing that kept me engaged with it the entire time because there it yeah. plays with that in many, many different uh, types of arrangements of spaces. There's always this sense that every space you're in is, in some sense, an infinitely repeating um, uh, space that, that stretches out in all, basically all directions with copy after copy after copy of the architecture that you're walking through. And um, sometimes the game contains things. You go inside of a building or inside of a, a space, like a hallway or something, and that has its own you know, contained space. But even there, it's trying to play with the geometry of the space. So you might have doors that open where it's opening into a space that is impossible, you know, larger on the inside or a door that connects to a place that seems disconnected from where you are, that kind of thing. On the surface, this game reminded me of a game that I actually asked to cover for the show, uh, but then um, several members of the show's group here oh, I it. Uh, were not about... into, called yeah. Q-U-B-E. Yeah, or just Cube, uh, which was a puzzle game developed by Toxic Games. Uh, and this is also a, um, a game that features tons of block puzzles and has been compared to Portal. But whereas, as I really got into that game and as I guess where the rest of us got into that game and really found that it didn't work for us. Um, this one 100% did, and I find that kind of interesting. I put a lot of that at the feet of the incredible visuals and just generally innovative design of this game. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the easy or common comparison for this game uh, as far as the art design or, or even some of, like, the level design and some of the visuals uh, is the sort of MC Escher comparison Obviously, we've seen that in a lot of games over the last, like, five years, Monument Valley being the most popular. Uh, But this is the only one I can think of where you're actually, like, it's first person and you're navigating these M.C. Escher-style worlds, like, in it, and you're not seeing the whole picture uh, like you are in something like Monument Valley. And I can say that even though I knew that, I knew that was, this is uh, M.C. Escher-esque. Really early on, there's a tower that is a wrap of stairs and i found myself because i didn't quite understand yet what i was supposed to be doing or how i was supposed to be doing it just constantly going up this <laughs>
1: stairs
0: it's <laughs> like son of a bitch i'm caught in an mc escher staircase and Uh, I, I am aware of that and I think I'm supposed to be in this staircase. I don't know. I just like, I, I like, I knew that that was a thing and I stumbled into falling for exactly what that staircase is trying to do to you. Uh, and I thought that was very effective. Uh, The comparison you make there, Nate, I think is really apt because, uh, the original title of this game was relativity, which is the name of the famous MC, MC Escher, uh lithograph that's kind of being referenced here where you see the the very famous one with all the different people living on these like orthogonally arranged uh staircases and things like that um yeah so th- so the um the the M C Escher comparison is very intentional and I think manifold garden um is the game that for me has brought that thing to life the most that idea of like the uh the relativity lithograph and it's funny because like I've you see that lithograph um in everything you see it everywhere like you know remember the the film the labyrinth had the that final scene that was obviously like a reference to to relativity and and there's there's so many uh I mean this is something that really for me like really works really works in in video games like I absolutely love it when video games do impossible physics and Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm really looking forward to talking about another, uh, game that, that also plays with impossible physics, which is the, uh, the outer wilds. Uh, Reagan and I have been, Oh yeah. As soon as Reagan finishes that. That's I one that I'm, I'm, I'm like desperate on. to finish before the end of the year because I, I have a strong feeling that it's on my game of the year list, but I, I got interrupted in playing it and need to get back to it. it. So we've made the comparison to um what I think is frankly the kind of like obvious comparison to MC Escher, and not the most exciting comparison. The the thing that I, I saw a review of this game that made a comparison that actually like ignited something about this game for me. And uh, I'm so I'm kind of stealing this from uh, Alice Bell, who's writing over at Rock, Paper, Shotgun, where she said that this is not a puzzle game. It is a horror game. And like, I didn't find this game scary, but what she's talking about is like, <clears throat> have any of you guys ever read um, House of Leaves? No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So House of Leaves is a, uh, it's been many years since I've read it, so I'm probably going to not do it credit here. But uh, House of Leaves is a uh, is a game or excuse me, (laughs) House of Leaves is a book about uh, uh, people exploring a house that is um, in a very sort of, I would also say maybe kind of like verging on Cthulhu Mythosy kind of way. It's like a house where physics is wrong, the angles are wrong. There are spaces within spaces that are infinite. You know, you can slide through a crack in this house and find yourself somewhere else, right? Um, And there's a lot of uh, else going on in this book as well, but um, it – It plays that, this idea of um, finding yourself in a space that is non-Euclidean and unnavigable, uh, and it plays that as horror, right? And this game had that feeling for me. Uh, It's not meant, I think, to be a scary game by any stretch. It's not a horror game. But there's this feeling that this game gave me that I've never really had before, which is this... Like, you know, you're you're walking through this game, and you know, you'll find yourself, for example, at like um you're in a hallway, and that hallway ends in a door. And that and through that door, which is impossible because you can walk around the back of that door and there's nothing there, but through that door is an infinite space that seems almost impossibly complicated, full of massive columns or endless halls, or a maze that seems to go on forever. And the idea of stepping into that impossible space full of impossible geometry and becoming lost forever feels kind of scary, right? It's it's these spaces, there's something wrong about these spaces, but the game is is constantly putting you into these And with its sort of puzzle mechanic, it's actually a fairly linear game. It's never, it's always holding your hand in a game design sense. It's always not, not like that. There's like a arrow on the floor saying, go this direction, but like through clever design, the game is leading you through these impossibly complicated spaces and never lets you truly get lost. And that's what I really, really value about the, the, the design here is that it's, it's putting you in these spaces that are so complicated, so intricate, and just gorgeous and also kind of terrifying in their in their strangeness and constantly leading you through it with, you know, block puzzles. Block puzzles are something I can understand. I can make my way through this by doing block puzzles. It's, it's, it's that's what I loved about this: is the 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 mm-hmm. sense of like. I just need to trust the designer and get through these incredibly bizarre spaces with, you know, just the trust that the designer is not leading me astray. And it's not everything. You know, this, if you ever feel in this game, like you're lost, just uh, know that it's, it, it is, it is a fairly linear game. It's leading you from place to place. You just have to trust the design and trust the game and and move forward. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think that's a, a great call out. And, and, The I think like the expanse of the space is something that really stuck out to me as well. And I think that's kind of what you're calling out here. There are are times where you are, uh, it's like to move forward, you have to basically leap off of an edge. And Shane was talking about this earlier, where the the world, it loops back around, it never ends. So part of the game is like those big stairs I was talking about. If you fall off the edge, you're going to, fall for a little while and it's going to have like the sound is going to be like the sound of you know like wind rushing by you and it's going to sound like you can fall theoretically forever for forever right and as you're falling you see all around you these the same thing that you fell from these huge this huge tower of stairs pointed in all sorts of different directions and you're just going to keep falling and as you fall you have like a little bit of control about the direction that you fall. Nothing where you're really like controlling gravity or anything like that, but you can kind of, you know, almost like suggest the way you want to fall. And over, if you hold the direction over enough time, enough of these iterations where you're falling and falling and missing that tower of stairs, you're either going to uh, fall onto another one that is pointed at a totally different direction than the one that you fell from, or you might, fall what seems to be like the stairs you fell from because it's at exactly the same place you jumped off of it's hard to tell if it's a new set of stairs if it's the same one uh and you just it's like the world never ends there- yeah, it essentially means that you can fly because you direct that you can direct the gravity in whatever direction you want to go and then you can just leap off of whatever you happen to be on you know if i uh, there's no jump button in this game if i want to get up yeah. to a platform that is six feet above where i'm at what I need to do is jump off and wait to fall down maybe hundreds and hundreds of feet onto that platform that's six feet above where I'm standing. Yeah, it never feels like flying, though. Uh, this might be the uh, falling with style <laughs> is the best the best you could do. Because uh, I, I definitely felt a sense of like, uh, even when I understood the mechanic, you feel like you're falling fast. Oh, you are. You know, yeah. when you, when if you this miss game had a fall platform, damage, it would be a nightmare oh you be, yeah because when you yeah. miss like so you're so for that example there's a platform like six feet above you you have to walk off an edge and then fall down until you loop back around and land on it when you miss that platform it's not like a floaty soft like oh oh i almost had you uh, know just like floats past you you're like woof, 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 you know you're you're and the sound is good for thing. this stuff too oh, yeah it, and then you hit it and it's like thump it has great sort of ambient sound design. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I think is, is really um, kind of key to to how this game got made is just William Cheer himself is is a, like his main, I would say, profession uh, before taking up this game, which is his first video game, is as a uh, installation artist. Like he's a, he's a degree in physics and economics, uh, but he's primarily an installation artist and a sculptor. And um uh, the, the the visuals of this game have that um, that kind of care taken uh, of, like, making sure that everything is both communicating with you and is visually impressive from every point within it. Yeah, I can't imagine the level of, like, spatial thinking required to design puzzles that work in these spaces. It's, it's really, really impressive. And some of the more complex mid-game puzzles are just <coughs> – excuse me <clears> – <throat> And some of the more complex mid-game puzzles, they get quite complicated. So, uh, you know, the, the puzzle design here is a real feat. Uh, and working within this bizarre set of physics rules, uh, just like, it, it, it's, it must have been incredibly difficult to design these these puzzles in, in such a way that they feel so natural to solve. I, I, I was very, very impressed with that. You know, something else we haven't talked about. We talked about the color of the game just in relation to how its puzzles work, because the blocks have puzzles each direction of the sort of um, swappable gravity directions has sort of a corresponding color. But I want to talk about just how visually striking everything in this game is. You know the, the game has this very clean um I mean I, I was very glad I was playing this on a relatively high resolution screen on like the iMac it's you know nice it looks amazing in sort of retina, you know. Um and it has this very clean, very sort of uh, flat shaded, no texture, low poly kind of look um, that fits because it feels very architectural. You know, everything looks like it's been constructed out of uh, perfect marble with no uh, you know no tone to it whatsoever. Everything looks like it's been made out of this just absolutely perfect material, and is as floating perfectly in these, these white voids that have a slight kind of warmth to the light, right? There's nothing like quite stark about it. it everything has this sort of warm emptiness to it that's just really, really visually cool. It's an extremely architecturally um, inspired game. And and part of that is uh, functional. Like in in this game, because there are six planes of gravity, everything is, uh, every surface has to be on one of those six planes. So everything is composed of right angles. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's, uh, it's, like the, it's a little reductive, but it like, it feels a little Minecrafty in, at times, you know, it feels sort of voxel-y even though there's not like, not like a pixel grid to it. It just sort of feels like it's been constructed out of perfect right angles and perfect blocks. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I a lot of games compared to this, but I, uh, a little bit of like unfinished Swan feeling at times too, where there's like not a lot of, um, it's like a real simple design, but the more you look at it, it's really, really uh a lot of depth to it, yeah, and and it helps because you take those very simple designs, you know, a tower of stairs, a sort of um, pagoda like structure, or uh, you know, or a, or yeah, a small like Frank building Lloyd with, Wright, yeah, uh, like, Japanese gardens, uh, all of that's coming together. You take those structures and you repeat them infinitely in all directions, and you have something that looks really, really intricate. Despite its simplicity, it's just extremely brilliant. The, the, the way that this game, you know, you, you come to certain places where like, okay, maybe I've been doing a puzzle inside of a small space and then I come outside and suddenly I see the building that I've just been exploring repeated endlessly in all directions. And it, it, it was breathtaking every single time. Uh, I I don't want to spoil anything about this game. um, But I will say that like that, that feeling, the feeling of like seeing infinite complexity manifesting out of sort of the recursion of simple forms escalates and escalates and escalates throughout this game. And the ending of this game used that to such a degree that, I mean, I, my jaw was on the floor and I think literally the ending of this game may have been one of the most visually striking things I've ever seen on a computer screen ever. It's, it was, (laughs) it's astonishing. Um, like the, the art style for this game, uh, I think it's just so good. I, I don't know how else to say it. Go look at video, see this game in motion. If you can, you know, a screenshot, I took 110 screenshots while playing this game. Nice. Um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it, it, it's but, what but, but just a single screenshot, like, or like, you know, just a still screenshot doesn't quite express it. Like this game looks astonishing as you move through it. It's, it's really something. Go watch a video of this. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was playing and like 15 minutes in, I was like, Molly, come over here. You got to look at this, <laughs> you know, which like I don't do a whole lot. So uh, it was, I, I think that's the game. Like the block puzzles are interesting and it's, you know, it's fun with physics, mm-hmm. right? We've, but been, you're we've real- been playing block puzzle, uh, first person physics oriented puzzle games for well over a decade now. These are, is not a new idea this is a new expression right. of that though. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I don't know how much else I have to say about it. That wouldn't be basically just me gushing about how much I loved the visuals and, and, and what a great experience this game was for me. I I really, really liked it a lot. I'm so glad that I, I played it. and I'm I'm a bit sad that I didn't get to it closer to its release. You know, when it came out, um, I was just, you know, it came out at a busy time, um, and uh, I didn't quite get around to it until, uh, you know. You know, this game is seven years in the making. We're one month behind launch. I think we're okay. Yeah, that's true. I think true. we're going to be that's fine. That's true. Um, and also, my my playthrough of it got interrupted by the move. I played about the first half and then had to pack up my iMac I was playing it on. So I, uh, you know, I was sort of stuck and had to come back to it later, but uh, the whole time, while my iMac was in storage, I was thinking about like, hmm, I'd really like to get back to that and finish it. And uh, it's, I, I can't recommend this game enough. I think it's one of the most visually impressive games that I've ever played, and the uh, the the puzzle design is also very very good. Uh, I, I mean, I won't say like it's the best. Of the best of the best, um, it's a you know it's a first-person block puzzle game, but it has ideas in it that are absolutely unique. Um, so if you can play this, and you probably can because it's you know on Apple Arcade, um, definitely definitely give it a try. And uh, if for some reason you you know you you don't like the idea of playing it on a mobile device, and you don't have access to a Windows PC, or you uh, uh, maybe you don't uh, like the idea of buying it on the Epic Game Store. Well, it'll be coming to Steam. It'll be coming to PS4 uh, next year. So look forward to it there if you haven't uh, got it access to it yet. Yeah, I think uh, wherever you can play this, it will probably wor- be worthwhile. I definitely think a controller is going to make it a better yeah. experience. Or, or mouse and keyboard. I, I did mouse and keyboard. Yeah. And that's also perfectly fine. For sure. I, that's how I prefer first-person games. Uh, Third-person, I prefer a controller. But first-person, if I can, I do a mouse and keyboard. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, a way to control it outside of a touch screen. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, and you know, like Shane said, even that, like, uh, it might work for you. It's not a game where you need this sort of fast responses. I did find, uh, that it was sometimes it was, it was challenging to, um, uh, you know, do things like moving the block around in first person is occasionally challenging. Um, so I was glad I was playing it with like precise input devices, but, um, I think you probably could play this on a touch screen mm-hmm. if you were patient. Yeah, I, yeah. So. I would like to also call out the website uh, for this game, which is, first off, manifold.garden. Uh, <laughs> that's, <great. laughs> that's awesome. Uh, and secondly, uh, I think it's very clever that the that manifold.garden allows you to scroll down infinitely, uh, repeating the content of the website an infinite number of times. Oh, my God. That's really right, funny. That's really clever. I didn't notice that until just now. Oh, wow. That's very clever. <laughs> that's so. That's what happens when you have seven years of d- designing your game, and you're like, "Ah, I need. I don't have anything else to do on the game right now, but I want to keep working on it. Let's make the website uh awesome as well. That's super smart. Uh, I I also would just uh quick little side note. Um, I you know I thought this game was really really cool. I did notice uh it's something I experienced with observation as well, which is not something I've really had before, but both of these games I found to be, it kind of gave me like a headache sometimes swapping between the 3d space over and over and over, um, going, uh, just like jumping around as much. And I had to sort of step away from it from time to time so that I would not have as big of a headache. So if you are sensitive to that sort of thing, which apparently maybe I am now, I don't know. Uh, you might want to be prepared for that. Uh, but Don't let it dissuade you from trying out this game because it's gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So apart from this game, which made me pretty happy the whole time that I was playing it, uh, what has been making you guys happy this week? Uh, Shane, what's making you happy? Mm, um, I guess, well, the main thing making me happy is that I am on a little staycation and I'm taking that time to uh, do some stuff like re-landscape my backyard, uh, but I've gotten a lot of fun things done, uh, including I spent a nice chunk of my day uh, yesterday um, painting miniatures. And I was I painted more miniatures in one day uh, than I've painted in the entire rest of the year, which, you know, it's it's wonderful to take that time and just sort of devote yourself to the things you love. Shane, are you working on a miniature of Scorch Hammer Kill Jr.? I am not. Uh, I would love to uh, paint a scourge hammer kill junior, but I I don't find that there's a lot of uh orc bard miniatures uh for sale in the miniatures places that I that I shop. I I am painting um, some of my favorite D&D monsters which are um myconids or mushroom men. I am doing a whole little cadre of Myconids, uh, from one gigantic fat one uh, to a bunch of little teeny tiny ones uh, to some medium-sized ones that look like they're casting spells. Uh, I've nice. always loved Mushroom Guys. The very first d that I ever ran uh, was for Reagan and our friend Matthew Tuttle, and I think we were like – 12 or 13 mm-hmm. and um I think Daniel Levy was there if if you remember either of those guys, Reagan. And um I tried to D tried, tried to DM uh some third edition D D at that time and, or maybe no second edition D D. And uh the result was about an hour of dicking around uh and making characters. And then uh, Matthew Tuttle tried to sleep with the mushroom woman and I was <laughs> disgusted and I believe I c- killed his character and the campaign ended there. <laughs> That's Let that be a lesson to you. Never try to sleep with the Micanid. Yep, Classic teenage D&D. Yeah, d Don't Don't try to sleep with the, the mushroom queen, guys. That's just, just bad practice in terms of Dungeons and Dragons. I... I I think only a bard with an extremely high charisma could achieve such a feat. Uh, That sounds like a job for Scorch Hammer Kill Jr. (laughs) Except for his his charisma is mediocre because I uh, made a half-effective bard. But uh, I'm hopeful now that you are done traveling, at least for now, and Reagan is done moving, that we can uh, jump back into our campaign because it's been quite a while. Mm. I would dearly love to. I would love that too. Um, So... I will uh, I will recommend for my what's making me happy this week. uh, One of many things, the the thing that's probably making me the most happy this week is that I'm finally beginning to be close to sort of almost done unpacking. That's really exciting. Um, But part of that was setting all of my uh, retro game stuff back up. And uh, fortunately, knock on wood, I haven't tested everything, but most everything seems to have survived the transit. So that's good. Um, but the specific thing I was going to recommend was something that came out just yesterday and I thought was astonishing and really exciting from a retro video game enthusiast kind of perspective. So so you, do you guys remember the um the original uh, Mario game for the Game Boy, uh, Super Mario Land? It's a pretty weird game. It was a uh, One of those games that just everybody who had a Game Boy had back then. Yes. Yeah. And it's a great game. I remember the part where you go inside a giant mechanical Mario. Yep. There's that. There's a, uh, there's a part. uh, It it has a lot of Egyptian themed stuff, which is kind of odd. And I don't think you see a lot of in Mario. Uh, Like you fight a Sphinx, that kind of thing. There's a, there's a shooter section where you're in a submarine. Uh, Oh man, I absolutely had this game and I've not thought about it in like 20 years. Yeah, so it's a pretty cool game. And an anonymous uh, uh, SNES uh, homebrew developer made an SNES remake of it this week that just came out, just was released. Uh, Download it before Nintendo pulls this thing down. They have a habit of, uh, of going after fan projects like this. And it's called New Super Mario Land. And it's the most impressive homebrew uh, SNES game I've ever seen. Um, It it has four player mode, and it plays a lot like the uh, the old the new Super Mario Brothers games on the Wii and Wii U. So it has that sort of uh, it's all the levels from Super Mario Land on the Game Boy, but the appearance uh, that you know like a, a like the art style. And the four-player mechanics of the new Super Mario Brothers games, but running on the SNES. It's amazing. That's awesome. I love the new Super Mario Brothers stuff for the Wii and Wii U. Uh, it, they are, if you have people to play them with, it is a delightful Mario experience that I that is not matched in any other Mario that I've played Uh They're fine as a standalone Mario game, but they are particularly good if you can find three or four people and try to die uh, yourself uh, uh, across these levels where you have to fit one. There's a platform that only one Mario character can fit on. But all four of you have to get through it somehow. It's so funny, and because you can pick people up and throw them. Yeah, so it's basically all of that, but ported back to the SNES. It's an amazing kind of like nexus of things, right? You know, it's a, it's a game from the Game Boy running uh, re-implemented for the SNES, but using uh, design and graphics from the Wii, I'm pretty sure is the version that they're kind of pulling from here. It's, it's astonishing. Um, and you know, you, uh, you can absolutely play this on real hardware, which I've been doing. Um, if you have a flash cart and whatever, but probably the most accessible way to play it for most people, is going to be on an emulator because you know, who has a flash cart and a four player. Um, I forget what the, the four player adapter for the SNES was called, uh, like the four play or something like that. Not the foreplay that would be great. No, <laughs> no way. No way. It's the foreplay. <laughs> it's the foreplay, the foreplay. Whatever. Was. Uh, was that a bit? Did you have that? No, setup? that wasn't a bit. Um, <laughs> but it would. I'll take credit for it. Um, I forget what it was called. But anyway, it's probably most accessible for most people to play in an emulator. I think you should absolutely go grab this ROM before Nintendo uh, sues it or yanks it off of the internet or whatever happens. So if you if you Google for new Super Mario Brothers or sorry, new Super Mario Land. Uh, it'll probably come up. I'll try to have a link in the show notes to uh to where you can find more information about it. But it it made me very happy this week to play through it. And it's pretty darn cool. Uh Nate, what's making you happy this week? So, I'm I'm going to call out just a couple of TV shows that I've been uh that are, are everyone knows them and they are obviously super popular, but I've been watching over the last couple of weeks and uh it's been making me happy. So, Uh, A new season of Bojack or one half of a new season of Bojack Horseman was released on Netflix. If you don't watch that show, it is one of my favorite uh, shows, I think, of all time. And they just put out a new half season. It's the final season of the show, and it's been great. And then also the new season of The Good Place, uh, which both shows kind of deal with existential dread. Uh, They're also on their final season season. And it has been as good as ever. So I, I need to catch uh, up on the Good Place. I love that show so much, and I'm I'm not at all oh, up to date on this season. So I'm glad to hear yeah, it's still it, going strong. It it's their last season, uh, and which I think is great. That show moves at a pace that cannot continue for more than a couple <laughs> seasons. Yeah. So uh, I think they're doing the right thing, uh, and just you know, going to have. I can't imagine how it's actually going to end, but I think I, I really appreciate that they're doing that. Uh, Ted Danson is my hero. Uh, so it, it's great. I've been really, really enjoying it. And then uh, the last half of the BoJack series is on in, I think, like January. Uh, so just a couple super popular TV shows that have been making me happy uh, the last couple of weeks. All right. And, of course, listeners, you are making us very happy. But the listeners that make us the very happiest are our patrons on Patreon. If you want to support the show, you can go to www theshortgame.net and click Patreon or go to patreon.com slash theshortgame, um, where you can support us at any level and supporters at any level, even just a dollar a month, get access to our Discord, which is where we talk about the show, we plan episodes, we talk about the games we're playing, we talk about games we're playing not for the show. We talk about all kinds of other stuff, and it's a great place to hang out. So if you want a new hangout on the internet, join us on the Discord as part of our Patreon, and we will thank you very much for your support um, and of course you can find our show on the internet uh, www.theshortgame.net twitter at underscore short game uh, you can find me on the internet at reagan k that's r-a-y-g-a-n-k Nate where can people find you? you can find me on twitter and the cash app at <laughs> nate stl <laughs> you think people are just going to like randomly start cash apping you money is that what yes. you're doing now? okay yes, uh, yes. no use at. patreon that's at. the way to do it Send me the for money. Every <laughs> uh, and <laughs> you Shane. You can support the show at our Patreon or you can support sign specifically Nate. Nate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm on Twitter at 8BitShane. And I I think I'm also on the Cash app, but I don't know what my hashtag is. Why are we so. doing this? <laughs> just, just Patreon. <laughs> no, pay money to thanks. the Patreon. Don't send it directly to my competitors. Uh, And thank you, listeners, for listening to this episode of The Short Game.